Hey friend, welcome back to Summit Up, the podcast brought to you by Summit Salon Business Center that is focused on bringing happiness to the beauty industry. I'm your host, Blake Reed Evans. And if you are a salon owner that is ready to explore the world of having a spa, or if you're already a spa owner and you're ready to take things to the next level and understanding how we can maximize profit and business inside of the spa industry, we had to look to the number one expert in spa business, and that person is Victoria Perry. Now, Victoria is the owner of Soto Signature Spa in Perrysburg, Ohio, and on top of that is a spa consultant and the team leader for the spa division for Summit Salon Business Center. So, Victoria, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here today. I'm so excited that you're you're joining us because this is, you know, it, it's like almost like a, a corner of the industry that is so niche to some. And I know that there's a world of business in there just based on conversations and things I've learned from you personally. Um, so w- where do you th- see the state of spa business as it stands currently after us going through an entire pandemic? Yeah, that's a great question. So coming into the pandemic, we had this like resurgence of all types of lash services, um, individuals really taking self-care to that next level. And I often refer to some of the services that we were seeing on trend, um, making the guests rebook more frequently. Um, so they were making skincare lash services part of their beauty regimen. Um, then COVID happened and we were really afraid to be close to individuals. Unfortunately, many states had some restrictions when it came to skincare services just because of the close proximity. So we really had to evaluate our retail offerings, ways that we could connect with guests virtually to still maintain skin health. So what I'm seeing all over the nation is that we're finally getting back to normal. Guests are finally coming in and having those services done. But it was a little scary at the beginning, just not knowing what the comfortability factor was for not only the guests, but also the provider too. Yeah. And I was reading a report not that long ago about the fact that um, things like skincare services and lashes and even things like Botox and filler are becoming more popular than ever because now business organizations are often requiring camera time. And then, you know, I don't know about you, Victoria, but sometimes when I'm on Zoom, I'm not looking at anyone else other than myself. Um, and all of a sudden that that layer of vanity has, has kicked in. Oh my gosh, definitely. And I think uh, what we've noticed too And going back to 2008, when I remember being a newer esthetician um, back then is when we had the recession, we had a lot of women that had to look younger to be able to compete in a job market. So it's kind Mm -hmm. of interesting that we're seeing that again play out where that piece of vanity and self-confidence to look and feel our best is really important. And so we're definitely seeing that increase. But I also think too, the age frame that we're seeing now having services as more of a preventative measure has definitely increased. So where we would say our target demographic typically was at 40 plus um, to have corrective. Now we're seeing our 20, 25 year olds, you know, really starting to take advantage of services 
have more of a flexible spending for those types of services as well, which I think has definitely catapulted um, the resurgence of it all. Yeah, well, and it makes sense too with how beauty has blown up starting with YouTube, moving to Instagram, and now TikTok, like, self-care and skincare is is where it's at, and making, you know, and, and wellness in general, I feel like, has, has grown a ton, and I think social media has a lot to do with it, so I think it's cool that we have younger people getting services, because I was always that person, I remember being a teenager, and, like, going to get facials to help take care of, like, uh, my, my acne problems I had at the time, which fixed most of it my esthetician at the time thought I was crazy. She was like, why is a 16 year old coming in and getting facials on his own accord? (laughs) I always love to share this story with my daughter. She's 11 and just showing how influential those social media platforms are. She had shared with me that her friend was using St. Ives soap and she goes, mom, doesn't she realize that that's one of the worst products to use on your skin? I always joke to that because I think gosh, even at 11 years old, they're now being so much more educated on good skincare versus bad skincare and identifying those professional brands already. We've created, you know, just future guests for our salons and spas. Uh, I, um, as also having an 11 year old relate to that too. My daughter did the same thing. She was like, you use what shampoo? (laughs) (laughs) To her friend and her friend's like, I don't care. Like, what are you talking about? Um, So now that we're seeing younger and younger people coming into the space, how do we advertise to younger individuals knowing that it's a a good place for them to come in? Because maybe, and particularly with your salon being a legacy salon company and spa company, it's skewed older for so long. How do you change the narrative now? Oh, I love that because it was actually one of the pieces that I've been working on personally in my own company is just broadening our demographic. Even our employee base is, you know, 18, 19 years old coming right out of beauty school. So it's important to make sure that they have a group that they can identify with. I think the struggle for myself was when I was starting off in the industry and I was the youngest one, I couldn't identify with my guests that were older on some of their skin concerns. That younger clientele base is definitely having a lot more struggles, um, whether it comes to corrective as in acne or wanting to use retinols. Um, We have a lot more device therapies that are out right now that are really engaging and they see that socially. So for us, making sure that our social media platforms really showcase those devices that they're seeing that are typically on the reels or the TikToks that they see. You know, I love a good extraction video. And so we want to make sure that we implement that. But then also too, like we just did this huge campaign of show your glow. So, you know, tag your SD and our company and earn a $20 spa voucher for a future visit. The power of referrals, it's tried and true. If there is a demographic or a market that you are really connecting with, that we want to get as many people that are in that space to become part of our our guests and our legacy too. I want to dig deeper into an approach to digital and social media within the spa space, because as someone who teaches social media classes, not just to hair stylists, but to all types of service providers, I am so frequently met with resistance on spa providers that they cannot get enough content to be able to put out onto social media. Uh, On a previous episode, Emily Richardson and I unpacked this a little bit 
a little bit, but I really want to dive deep into that particularly, like, what, what do you have to say about it? What advice do you have? So, I, you know, not everyone is comfortable with social media. So I first think as leaders, we have to just recognize that we need those that are really passionate about it to be the ones to build that content for us. I think of this from the recruiting standpoint is that we work with our Summit Salon Academy. And when I am looking for new hires, I go straight to their social media and how active they are at that level in school. One thing that I love to do is utilizing our front desk because they need to be loved on all the time. They are the ones that we like to start building our content with. We like to share not only the service with them so they can understand the results, understand the process, but then utilize them. Now, here's the other piece to that. Then they're going to share it on their social media and tag, you know, not only the company, but one of our front desk goals is referrals. So how they can earn raises and promotions are also by hitting indicators. So it's a win-win for them socially. I also think there's certain services that are not necessarily as easy to do with content, whether it's a facial service or a massage. So that's where we really like to, you know, ask for, um, permission with guests that are frequently, you know, comfortable with us. And even in after show your glow, you know, the picture of um, that post facial or sharing uh, maybe a device that you're utilizing and seeing that in a video, even product knowledge is huge, right? Share why you like to use this product. So one of my recommendations is, is there's a company that you love their social media, you know, use that as inspiration. So you get comfortable of ideas and then let's make it work for our brand and our content. I love the approach about models using the front desk. What do you think are are like the really core differences between salon and spa that like, if you could give like two pieces of advice for someone that's, that is jumping into the space, like what do we need to be aware of? So I think, you know, we have this great opportunity with the guests that we have in our salon space that are instant guests for us in our spa, right? And so oftentimes I think we don't maximize that potential right there. So spa services are done behind closed doors and we don't see spa therapists out working the salon floor like we need them to. So when you're partnered up with the salon space and you're wanting to extend into that spa arena, definitely making sure that we're capitalizing on the existing guests that come through our doors and having them be our market at the beginning. I think that's number one. Number two is, you know, collectively as a whole of an organization, are we going to be more um, organic with our approach when it comes to skincare services? Are we going to be more corrective? Like, what is the vibe that our brand has? Because even if we think of the salon and all the different types of hair care lines that they may carry, each of those hair care lines have a different brand vibe to them. So I think that also needs to be, you know, transitioned into our spa space. So that way the the two departments collectively can really work well within each other. Um. Core skincare services are so crucial. And as a skincare enthusiast, I love it. But there's about a thousand machines and gadgets. And um, and I know how expensive they are because I looked into them for our own spot, our salon company. Um, how do you find what is going to work for you? Because when I look at the investment level of some of these machines, 
it's really, really, really expensive. How do you? Yeah, that's a great question. Let's just take microdermabrasion, for example. So microdermabrasion was an advanced treatment back in the day. It was done with like a sodium crystal and, you know, is more aggressive in the scheme of like things that we used to um, service. So there was not dermaplaning, you know, 15 years ago like it is today. So if you really wanted a true deep exfoliation, you would always go to microdermabrasion. Well, then we have now all the hydro microdermabrasions or the wet microdermabrasions that are coming in. And so we have some devices that are twenty-five dollars to $30,000 that are, you know, the top of the line that have all these amazing features. But we can't go from a machine that maybe costs us $1,000 to $25,000 without having a base of guests that are going to have that service done. So one practice that I coach to is, you know, let's find a version of that type of service that's within a budget that we can afford. And then again, getting a base of our guests that enjoy having that service, being able to see changes in their skin, and then going back to my previous point of what's next, what's new. Now, as we've paid off that device, we've been able to save money. We can now invest in a larger device that's going to be the next what's new, what's great, um, and continue on to give that extension of corrective skincare, but at now a much more reasonable and stable investment than what it would have been if we would have went off, you know, with doing that right off the bat. Is there a tipping point within these trendy devices? I'll use an example like hydrofacial. You can now get a mini hydrofacial or a perk from Sephora. Like I can go, I could go to Sephora that's down the street and pay 30 bucks to get my lip perk done. Um, That kind of saturation, how do you get on the, the early side of things? Or is there a point where like, Sephora is doing it. So then what? Yeah, that's a great point. So we have the hydrofacial in my company and it's been very successful. And, you know, we have a Sephora that's less than a mile down the road. What is our point of difference is that we're giving the spa environment to that service. So there is brand recognition. So, you know, that's a great thing, right? Because our our consumer knows that this is something that if Sephora is using it, then that must be great. However, what we try to do is really elevate then our version of that facial and then how are ways that we're incorporating what we're known for is our signature touch right so are we incorporating a um, hands-on cleansing first with some pre-cleansing oil are we having them put in um, some spa attire when they're going to go lay down for that service so it's all about the sensory experience for us that's going to create that enhancement that's going to be different um, than what they're going to experience if they were to go someplace else Mm. that's such a good point too because at sephora like i've I've gotten it done before and it's like it's so it's such a wild you just sit on a stool and you're up upright and then i've had a full hydrofacial just sitting up um but it wasn't relaxing by any means in fact i was like a, a zoo animal you know um and then there's a place that I've gone to get hydrofacials regularly and it's not as spa like it's very like clinical almost in the way that it feels when you get it done. So there's just like so many different types of vibes that you can have when it comes to your spa. Like we have often struggled in our salon space previously, uh, salon and spa space where previously we had a whole dedicated wing 
to spa when we were forced to downsize due to like landlord um, challenges and our spa all of a sudden became significantly smaller and the types, the, the vibe of the service that we provided has changed drastically. And I think we've struggled with that for a long time. Is there a brand opportunity to have just a casual spa space and not this full blown day spa experience? Oh, most definitely. Um, that's actually one of the most interesting points coming back from COVID is like your space, we had a changing room, the lockers, uh, the relaxation lounge. And so coming back from COVID, guests needed to just change in the treatment room. And it was interesting how many of them said, I like this much better because I feel like I am quicker in and out than when I had all of the amenities that I had to you know, go through before I actually had my service. And we as providers have ran on time better um, because of that too, which has been another great fact. Um, but I also think that we're seeing more open spaces when it comes to the treatment space. There's not necessarily four rooms that are all behind closed doors. There might be an open area where there's four tables now with a slight partition and a lot of lash studios have like encompassed that. And then now they're starting to do skincare there. Now there's going to be often some services that are going to need some privacy, like when we come to body waxing. But I believe in what I am seeing is that more open space allows us to have greater visibility of all the services in which we offer too. Let's go ahead and shift gears into talking about having an exclusive career in spa because one thing, Victoria, that's amazed me is I've I've heard how much money you've made as a service writer and not only just you, because you're not the exception, you've actually built a lot of people within your team members and they've built themselves up to being really high earners within spa. Can can we talk about that mis- misconception that we have? Because I think that people don't think that hairstylists make a lot of money, but people really don't think people in the spa world make a lot of money. Yes, that's so true. We see traditionally our earning potentials with a level one esthetician tend to be sometimes two to $3,000 more than a level one stylist. And it's because really some of these services that we're offering, the time and the price point are more profitable for the provider and the company. So if we take a service that perhaps is, let's say a lash lift and tint, which traditionally on market can sometimes be around 60 to 75 minutes and, you know, typically is around 75 to $90, you know, just as very conservative approach. You think about that timing of 60 minutes for, let's say, $80 versus a full highlight can sometimes be two hours if they're not doing anything in the processing time for about the same amount of money. So we're able to see more of an influx of guests. And that's really changed over the years. As you know, we know in Summit, we're always evolving in our business practices. Because in the beginning of time, Summit was very focused on facials, 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 and not as many waxing services. And the idea is still very true, because we know our skincare clients are going to be the ones that purchase retail. And Retail is a huge point of profitability for the provider and the company. But we've also noticed that waxing services, 
these kind of on-trend services when it comes to brows and lashes are definitely a higher earning opportunity, but then they're the kind of gateway into talking about skincare. And so as long as we're practicing that business concept, it's really important. Now, I'll just share a story of my service provider even this week as I did payroll, Chloe, who is amazing. Um, She's been in the industry five or six years now and started with us at the age of 18, going through a apprentice through school. And she had a $5,000 earning, gross earning for two weeks, doing six shifts in those two weeks. And she works three 10-hour shifts, um, and she really maximizes her earning opportunity. Um, She does a lot of facial services, but she still is all about doing those upgrades and those add-ons. So that's where I think when we're customizing that skincare menu, as we talked about in the beginning, when we want to get more creative with doing some devices or trying to, you know, capture this LED market or um, microcurrent market. Let's use those as additional services to our main core services because the earning opportunity with that 60 minute or 75 minute treatment is going to be just enormous opportunity for them to earn an amazing income living um, and then have a retail component that's going to be so important to that earning opportunity as well. Shout out to Chloe because that's that's amazing. Uh, I think that that's is so awesome to hear. Um, when you have the Chloes of the world that are getting really really busy, I'm aware of a, an associate program within skin therapists, estheticians, and also nail technicians. What does that look like in the spot? Like it, it's easier, I think, in our industry in salon and beauty to th- see. Okay, her stylist works with associates. That makes sense. What does it look like in a spa? Oh, I love that. This is one of my secrets to our success as a company is that we would see our salon growing, 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 and the spa, we just were not having that same growth. So for us, we took this salon associate program and we thought, you know, gosh, 12 years ago, how can we make this work for us? And every time that we bring on a new hire, it's something different. So the spa associate program is really about creating very solid service standards and replicating the best of the best of the trainer with that provider. So it's very difficult to look at the spa associate program and see how we can earn, you know, this additional earning opportunity like we can in the salon because we don't often have that additional space. For instance, we can't necessarily work on two guests at once when there's certain protocols in place. Um, But where we're going to really find the value in this training program is going to be being able to have that one-on-one mentoring and skill set evaluation and refining that technical ability. So that way, when that new provider gets onto the floor and is going to have a greater retention rate of those guests and be able to have the retail component, have the upgrade component, because we've seen that sales um, education when working alongside the educator in the treatment room. It's been life-changing for us as a company. Every time we're refining it to see how it can work better. We were in the midst of actually onboarding two new associates when COVID happened. So having to then have the space restrictions and the social distancing restrictions in a closed treatment room really made it difficult for us, but we found ways to get creative with utilizing models or 
doing Zoom virtual training, one-on-one -on -one virtual training, and hands-on training to making sure that we refine that service standard. And in a literal sense, like for, um, and, and did you, do you have nail technicians that work in your spa, correct? We do, yes. Okay, perfect. So like with a nail um, professional, what does that literally look like in terms of using an associate is are they doing like soak offs and you know um like what services are most often performed by an associate yeah that's a great question so definitely the soak offs we're going to be doing you know some of the massage techniques um that are part of like the pedicure treatment perhaps we're doing an upgrade to a brightening hand exfoliation I just want to like put it out this way. So when we think of the salon associate program, we think of the technical component of a lot of that service is going to be the the haircut and the foil placement, right? Or the color placement. Like that's like, that's the technicality of, of the job. Now, when we think of that, when we come into aesthetics or nails, really the technicality of what we're doing is going to be extractions. Uh, some massage techniques with the skin um, facial or using the modalities to create, you know, a corrective treatment or the peel application, the cleansing, um, soaking of the hands and feet, you know, that's really the shampoo and conditioning treatment right. that we're doing as associates, really. Yeah. And then I think at the end where, you know, yes, we could have um, the polishing could be done in time by the associate at the beginning. They're really kind of getting those best practices. But at the end of a facial, even once that mask is removed, like the associate can be putting on the serums, the moisturizers, the mm -hmm. SPF and finishing that treatment as well. So that's where I really want to think of um, if you're wanting to know how to utilize the associate in the treatment room to start practicing and dissecting the protocol and thinking, how can I add in value? Also, I think, how can I add in more relaxation or sensory experience? So wouldn't it be amazing if my associate was doing a hand and arm massage when I was doing my pedicure massage? Um, wouldn't it be great if I associate was doing up. hand and arms? Yeah, right. Um, when I'm doing uh, the mask or the massage. So let's get them just comfortable with touching individuals in that space and just perfecting their techniques of those movements. I, that sounds so good. I, I just want to experience it because as a person who loves, like if, if there was a world where I could get my pedicure, manicure, and haircut all at once <laughs> i would i would pay top dollar for that to happen all at, all at one time so just even to have an enhanced experience like that sounds amazing i love all this and i can't wait it just even i think it's one of my favorite things about hosting a podcast is just being able to learn so much and from the best and brightest uh i can't wait to take some of the stuff back to to my own spa company Victoria, how do we get in touch with you and your team so that we can actually take action to be able to implement some of these things in our in our companies? Yes, well, my team would love to connect. We have licensed massage therapists on our team now, nail technicians, and obviously spa owners, uh, managers, and licensed estheticians that have been successful in implementing Summit in their own spa companies. So you can visit us online at summitsalon.com and go to the spa specialty division. And we do a complimentary 30 minute discovery call. 
We offer virtual and on-site coaching, whether it's setting up career paths for your providers and pricing, or even doing one-on-one coaching with your team so they understand their daily indicators and how they can grow in their spa business. And then even setting up marketing and branding and inventory best practices too. And how can we get in touch with you directly if someone has more specific questions for uh, the queen of spa herself? Oh, well, you can email me always at theperry at summitsalon.com or on Instagram. I'm victoria.beauty.expert. And I'd love to connect and introduce you to all the amazing offerings that we have. Victoria, I just want to take a second to, first of all, thank you for joining us on the show and thank you for sharing your wisdom. I think that there is a world of possibility in the world of spa and any time that I spend around you or those on your team, I've learned and and have grown so much. So thank you for your contributions to help grow that part of our, our industry. Uh, what is You're happiness? Welcome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what does <laughs> happiness mean to you? Happiness is growth for me. Um, I feel that in every season of life, there is growth opportunity to better our best. And when I am working on bettering my best, whether it's personally or professionally, that is true happiness to me. Amazing. Um, Thank you so, so much for joining us on Summit Up. Thank you so much, Blake. Sum It Up is produced by Andrew Moraskin. The executive editor is Tim Fisk, and I'm Blake Reed Evans. Now, if you like what you heard, the best way to show your support is to share this podcast with a friend or a coworker. We would be honored if you left a rating and review for us on Apple Podcasts. And if you're a Spotify user, you can rate us on there too. If you're looking for more opportunities to grow and connect with Summit Salon Business Center, our new online community is set up and running. Summit Community is a place where salon company leaders can come together and shape the future of our industry. Go to summitsalon.com and click on Join Community to learn more. You can always follow Summit on Instagram and TikTok at Summit Salon. You and I can connect on Instagram and TikTok as well at Blake Reed Evans. My DMs are always open. Be well, friend, and we'll talk soon.